servant. Aren't those two good words? Uh, faithful, has that not throughout church history described people who were followers of the Lord Jesus Christ? They're faithful people. They're faithful to their Savior. They're faithful to God's Scripture. They're faithful to their church. And another word is wise. And if we are faithful and if we are wise, it is by the grace of God. Amen? So, in, in this passage that we're looking at, the Lord is obviously the master, the one that's away on a trip. And so, when I look at this, uh, I see at least, uh, and you young people might want to sit up and uh, get yourself kind of upright in the upright posture so you can be uh, listening and paying attention in a good way. So, kind of rouse yourself up, and I know you may be a little tired this morning. Sit up. Don't lay over on your mama. Don't lay over in your seat. Just sit up and pay attention, okay? It would be good. And, you know, I learned that when I was uh, when I was preaching to you young people that day. You know, y'all listen to me. Uh, if you're in the... Oh, it doesn't matter what age you are. I expect you to get something out of service this day. And in order for that to happen, you've got to participate and you've got to be involved in it. So thank you so much. So I see the, I see the household... Here, he says, uh, he has set over his household. I see three ways in which uh, that household is represented. First of all, uh, this is the uh, temple of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is where Christ lives in me. And I have a responsibility for myself, especially responsibility for my soul. And then I see the household, the families of the church, whether it be a single family, a single, um, uh, single adult family, or, or a couple. I see that household in which somebody has a watch care over. And then surely the scripture is talking about, and really when we get into the wicked servant, you'll see this, we're also talking about the church. We're talking about the, the household of God. So what have you done with this temple? What have you done with your family? And, and for some of us, and maybe for all of us, what have you done with your church? So I see those three arenas. So we are to live righteous lives, amen, faithful lives, devoted lives, motivated by what? Our continual expectation of His imminent and sudden return. You know, if, if uh, you were running somebody's business for them, and you were expecting them back soon, you'd be getting things in order for them to come back. That's just what we would be expected to do. Well, the Lord's coming back, and He's left you here. Y'all get this now. You're here for a purpose. You're here to find the Lord. You're here to get to heaven and take everybody else that you can with you to heaven. He's left you here for a purpose. We are looking for Jesus Christ to come in power and glory. What kind of glory? Well, glory that will leave all us prostrate on our face before Him in absolute amazement of His glory. That's the way He's going to come. We looked at what we should be doing. Waiting, looking, anticipating, and expecting His sudden return. His sudden return. All the things that the disciples had inquired about, they, it, this all get, really began back in verse 3 when they asked Him the question as they sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to Him probably saying, Tell us, 
When will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming of the end of the age? So we began to look at being ready. And we've continued to look at keep watching and being ready. You remembered we looked at the days of Noah. What were they doing in the days of Noah? They were just carrying on as normal. And what happened in the days of Noah? The flood came. And a bunch of people were ready, right? Huh? A bunch of people what? We're not ready. That's the way it's going to be at the last day. We looked at the second illustration of the, uh, the sudden and awful separation. Uh, two at the meal, one taken, one left. Two out in the field, one taken and one left. Two in the bed, one taken and one left. Sudden and awful separation. And we looked at the, also the illustration of we need to be watching and anticipating His return. So today we begin to look at that faithful and wise serpent. Serpent. That faithful and wise serpent, serpent, servant. And what is that servant doing? He is anticipating what? The return of his master. So, y'all can get past the serpent. We'll get back to the servant, okay? So, today we're looking at the faithful and wise servant that is anticipated and looking for his Lord's return in contrast to the wicked servant that said what? He's delayed his return. You remember what they said when Moses was up on the mountain? You remember? They said, what's happened to that guy? And so some of us go around with thinking, well, what's happened with Christ returning? And we're not ready for his return. So the flood showed us that many... The great majority, listen, I mean, it's almost overwhelming to me to see the spiritual depravity and the lostness in the world. I mean, if you've got any spiritual discernment at all, we are in an awful situation. And what that says to me, when he comes... There's going to be an awful lot of people not ready. So when we looked at the picture uh, a couple weeks ago of the thief coming to steal, and what was the gist of it? If you had known the thief was coming, you'd be ready, right? Okay, you'd be ready when he came. So we looked at that. So we learned in that, There must be something in this picture of value. Are y'all with me? There is nothing no more valuable than your human soul. I mean, nothing as valuable as your soul. Nothing. Because that's the only thing that of you that's going to spend an eternity either in heaven or hell. It's a value, great value. How how, how valuable is it? Well, if you really had discernment and understanding, you you would pay whatever the price is to take care of it. But thank God, the price is free because the Lord Jesus Christ has paid the price. God, through His Son Jesus, has paid the price for us. It's free. It doesn't cost anything of this world. 
It just cost Christ his life. The picture of the two servants shows us what it means to be ready. It also, in this that we're in, listen to me, you're going to see next week the drastic difference in the two ends of these servants. One end of the faithful and wise servant and the end of the wicked servant. I'm telling you, drastic ends. Let me tell you, just just as drastic as my my present life should be from my past life. Did y'all get that? Just as drastic as my life, my past life, should be different than my present life, so will be how drastic it is from heaven and hell. That's the two ends. Heaven, left. Hell, heaven, right. Right? Okay. A drastic difference between the two. A terrible difference between the two. So let's look at the text. There's so... Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming an hour you did not expect. We won't know when He's coming. What do we know? What do we know? He is coming. Remind yourself of that. That's why I think those five things are so important. Think every week at least. At least when you're getting ready for church on Sunday morning. Maybe every day. Think about it. Death, burial, Cremation, resurrection of the dead, facing God at judgment, eternity. It's coming. Now, it's way more likely for us that we're going to die rather than maybe He's going to come. But we don't know that, do we? We don't need to be complacent. Mark 13, 33. So, let me tell you about the Scripture. If I read a Scripture, just circle it on your notes. And you may have noticed... You uh, Latinos may have noticed that you don't have a scripture translation. And that's because I was still working on getting it done about 7.30 when I had to come to church. So, uh, you, but you, you guys know, uh, you, you know, you all, all of you know what Thessalonians looks like in Spanish. And so, if, if, a, if a scripture interests you, just circle it. You might want to go back and study it. Amen. So be on your guard. Keep awake. Did y'all hear that? Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. Luke 21, 34 through 36. But watch who? Yourselves. Okay, you don't have it. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. He says, but watch yourselves. What did I say? We have this temple to watch over. Watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness. Dispensation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place, and to stand before the Son of Man. Be ready. So today we have an overview. And today we're looking at the overview of three scriptures, and we're looking at the at, at, at the wise servant, and next week we'll look at the wicked servant. So let me just tell you this. This world is nothing more than a snare. 
It is nothing more than a trap. And we will be easy prey of that snare and that trap if we're not careful. Luke 21.35 For as a snare shall it come upon all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. How many of us? It's a snare to us all. So we've got to be watching. We must pray that we escape the snare of the world. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 says, Therefore let us not sleep as do others. Let us watch and be sober. Be ready. Be watching. This is something that any head of the household or head of the church would do, right? I mean, if, if we value our souls, if Tom and Pablo and I value your souls, okay, we would be awake and watching and sober at all times. That's what the wise and faithful servant would do. We can't, listen, we, you can't, I can't, moms can't, Dads can't, elders, teachers in the church cannot go days without visiting our Lord. I mean, it's not just Sunday that we wake up. We should wake up watching and sober every day. Because the day we don't wake up watching and sober will be the day He comes. Or will be that day that the world entraps us or snares us. We can't ignore our souls. Listen, please listen. Men, listen. Single moms, listen. We can't ignore the souls of our wives and our kids. They have a soul. They, they are not mature enough. They don't know enough to be concerned about that soul. But we should be. Pastors and elders must be constantly on the watch over the souls of their members. I'm so thankful that the Lord has called us to be people of prayer. I'm so thankful that we have a, a roster. I'm so thankful we have a prayer list. And Pablo and Tom and I, all of us, matter of fact, I think Ephesians says pray for who? All the saints. And all the saints ought to be praying for all the saints, right? And so when we go down the, the, the roster, if we're, we're discerning and we're concerned about people's souls, so we ought to come to some names that ought to break our hearts, should it not? Now, is that to be critical of them? That's to be prayerful for them. Matthew 24, 43 says, But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. If we knew, the household head would be watching and ready. But what? We don't know. 
But that ought to make us more watchful and more ready. You know, we, 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 we cannot find a place in the Scripture that Jesus is not addressing His second coming in which He does not use the word, be ready and what? Watch. Be ready and watch. Why, why is that the case? He knows that we're lazy. He knows we're likely to become drowsy. Christ knows that the devil works to hide the doctrine of his second coming. Puts it out of our minds. So he exhorts us to stay awake and to watch and to be ready. Amen? So may we have ears to hear his words. May we live like watchmen. May we live like sentinels. May we live like a soldier on the perimeter of, a, of, of, of an area watching out for the enemy. May we live that way. Because the day of the Lord will come like a thief. It's okay if he comes like a thief for us and we're ready. But how about our loved ones? You know you've got loved ones that never think about it. Are we watching and are we praying for them? We must always be on our guard. Christians will live like good servants. Did you hear me? Christians will live like good servants whose master is not at home but away on a trip. And they're expecting his return. Verse 45, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Luke 12, 42 through 44, and the Lord said, who then is this faithful and wise servant, wise manager, whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time. Did you hear that? To give people their spiritual food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Wow, what a promise. Luke 12, 35 says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. We're going to look at that in the parable of the, the virgins, having our lamps ready. We must wait expectantly. So it says again in verse 45, Who then is this faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? So somebody give me the King James word, maybe not in this one, but some places, the King, King James word, Servant is also, what's another word? Slave, a servant, give me another word. A steward. Uh, somebody that has been put in charge, okay? A servant, a steward. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. I'm telling you, God is so good. These are some powerful scriptures about servants and stewards. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, listen carefully. This is how one should regard us 
as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now keep that thought. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found, listen to this word, faithful. When he comes back, we want him to find us faithful. To keep our own souls. To keep and watch over the souls of those around us. For, for elders and deacons and teachers in the church, the souls of the people. So listen to this. What is a steward? Are y'all listening carefully? A steward is someone who serves as an administrator or overseer of something that belongs to someone else. Listen carefully. All that we possess, are y'all listening, ultimately belongs to who? There you go. Everything we have belongs to God. Because of this, everything He has given us during our time on earth must be taken care of and managed with utmost care. Because what? It's not what? It's not ours. My life is not what? It's in the hands of who? Who gave it? Who's going to call it back home? Think I ought to be taking good care of it? The best I can by the grace of God? Absolutely. You know those, that wife I have? Those two kids I have? Those nine grandkids I have? They're not mine. Your kids aren't yours. My little buddy from Murfreesboro found out a couple of weeks ago. A 21-year-old is just on loan. And God may call him home at any time. We don't have anything that is ours. It's all given to us by God. This church is not ours. It's not mine. It's not Tom's. It's not Pablo's. It's the Lord's. This includes our finances. Our possessions, how about this one? Our time and gifts that we have. <laughs> I did one wedding yesterday and went to another wedding. And so we were sitting by a young couple after the first wedding. And uh, uh, he's an English professor and she's a music professor, teaches piano. And... Uh, just a delightful. And they both teach at one of our community colleges. And uh, Jennifer knows them. What a delightful young couple. But she was talking about people who have gifts. And she was saying, well, preacher, just preach on people having gifts. And really convict them about God gave them those gifts. And if they're not using them for the glory of the Lord, they're wrong. She said, you'll just have people weeping. I thought, how easy that sounds. But everything we have, the gifts we have, the talents we have, they're not ours. Amen? They are given to us by the Lord. So what should we do with them? The best we can with them. So listen, 
But the most important thing that has been given us is our souls. Jeannie's soul. Carrie and Molly's soul. Olivia and Emily and Isabel, Isaac and Owen and Angel and Emmett and Molly and Gunnar and Rafe. Those souls. Listen, your soul. Your soul should be mine and Pablo and, and Tom's other than our own and our wives and our kids. Your souls ought to be of our greatest concern. We'll look at the scripture in a minute. It talks about that. So he left. He put a steward in charge. That steward knew what his duty was. And he put us in charge. And we're to take care of the spiritual business that the Lord gave us to take care of. Spiritual business for myself. Spiritual business for my family. Spiritual business of the church. And he talks about spiritual food. We are to give spiritual food to those that we have influence over. Did you hear me? You have influence over the well-being of your soul. Look, you've got all kinds of spiritual food to put in there. We have teachers that are giving spiritual food. We have, we have moms and dads that ought to be giving spiritual food to their families. And he talks about the mysteries. Mysteries that need to be studied and understood and passed on to others. I want to tell you, the gospel is a mystery. This Christian life is a mystery. Christ living in me is a mystery. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Those are mysteries. You know what that means? They must be studied and then they must be explained. So listen to these scriptures. There's some great ones. You might just be ready to circle whichever one speaks to you. As each has received a gift, let me read that again, as each has received a gift. Raise your hand if you're one of those, each. Are you one of those eaches? Yeah. You're one of those eaches, okay? You received a gift if you're a child of God. You're to find it and exercise it, okay? As each has received a gift, Use it to serve one another. Isn't that good? Not yourself, but one another. Listen to this word. As good stewards of God's various, various graces. The way that God has variously graced us, that's to use, be used for God's glory. Listen to 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one. First Corinthians fifteen fifty one. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. You know, the death, the dying, and the next life, it's all a mystery. We need to be studying it. We need to be thinking about it. We need to be explaining it. Ephesians six nineteen. And I want to tell you, I had a, 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 several testimonies this week, but I'll just tell you one about this scripture. 
So I, I know exactly where I was. I know what year it was. It was 2013, and I was in Ecuador. I know exactly where I was at. In Ecuador, I was, I was walking inside the compound, this little uh, walk that, that I did every day. When, when it came upon me, this, this, this verse that I'm about to read to you, Ephesians 6, 19, says, And as also for me, that words may be given me, pray also for me, that words may be given me, that in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So I had that scripture memorized and, and that mystery of the gospel came to me. And so since that time, I've been diligently studying what is the mystery of the gospel. Well, I ought to be able to explain it. And as long as I've been talking to you about it, you ought to be able to explain it. And the mystery of the gospel that we were dead in our trespasses and sin and the Lord Jesus Christ made us alive together with Him. And by that and through that we have become alive and we then can repent and believe the gospel. We need to be studying the mystery of the gospel. We need to be able to articulate that. Ephesians 3, 4 through 6. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. It's amazing how many times you find that word mystery. You know what, you know what that means? It's just not open for, for everybody to see. You have to have some spiritual discernment to understand the mysteries of the gospel. We need to be aware of that. When you, read, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. So the Gentiles have been taken into this mystery of the gospel. And then we get to Romans eleven twenty five, and I'm skipping over a couple of verses to get to this one. Romans eleven twenty five, lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery. The mystery, brothers, a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. That's a somewhat of a mystery. It's really a mystery of why Christ included the Gentiles anyway. We need to be thinking deeply about those things. Mysteries may not be resolved, but they are to be thought about and considered. What is this all talking about? You remember Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar? You remember when Nebuchadnezzar had that dream? Not only had a dream, but he wanted people to tell him what the dream was and what it meant without telling them what the dream was. Y'all remember that crazy account? Well, Daniel 2, 17 and 18 says this, then Daniel went to his house and made known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. Who only can reveal mysteries? God himself, his word, and by his spirit. So that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Remember, he's going to kill all the wise men and magicians because they couldn't interpret the dream. Daniel 2.28 says, But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, what will be in the latter days. 
Your dreams and your visions over your head as you lay in your bed are these. So God gave this mystery to Daniel. So one other mystery, and I think this is really significant for all of us. It surely has been for me. Galatians 2.20. Listen carefully. I have been crucified with Christ. So that means I have died. I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live from the time I was saved until the time the Lord calls me home, this life that I'm living, it's not me living it, but it's Christ in me living it. Now that's a little bit of a mystery. So that really, what, what we're seeing through all of these mysteries is from salvation to us walking this life out, it's by the grace of God that we are able to do that. So meditate upon that Galatians 2.20. It, it, so everything we, we do, whether it's me or you or anybody else, when we do it, it appears that who did it? No, it appears that we did it. But in reality, if it was good, we know what. Yeah, they may not know. Are you with me? They, they may think it's me or Tammy. Lord help them. Me or Tammy, okay? They may think it's us. But we know it's not us. Especially if it's good. Because I'm bent in the flesh towards evil. Verse 46. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. You know what that means? You, you young guys, if your daddy leaves you doing something, he says, I'm going to be going to town for a few minutes. Y'all with me? Whatever he, if he left you at the end of a pickaxe digging in a ditch, you may be on the phone while he's gone, but when he comes back, you better be in that ditch with that pickaxe in your hand. In other words, when Christ comes back, He better find us doing what He left us here to do. To live for God's glory. Amen. To to be headed to heaven and taking our wives and kids with us. Then we'll be in good shape. Verse 47, Truly I say to you, He will set Him over all His possessions. Wow! Now listen carefully. I don't... don't, I'm quite sure if I thought this, it's not very deep. But I want you to think about this, okay? Now, are you availing yourself to God's grace, God's graces that nourishes your own soul? God has given us all kinds of graces that we might feed our spiritual being. You with me? What What are two primary ones? Word of God and prayer. Give me another one. Assembling together as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Worship. Okay? If you're not participating in those, you are not making yourselves available to what God has given you to grow in graces. Amen? That's a great one. So... Are you availing yourself to God's graces that nourishes your own soul? Listen, moms and dads, teachers, are you feeding and teaching your wife and kids the things of God 
the mysteries of God. There's an article in your program today about doing those very things. A little three-page article. So, let me tell you, if you're doing those two things, if you're aspiring to nourish your own soul, if you are feeding your family, y'all ready for this one? You young guys listening? I believe that you will then aspire to greater things. You know what that would look like in the church? To teach and to lead in the church. I, th- I think I'm, I'm on to a little something here. I think a lot of time men don't aspire to lead in the church because they haven't nourished themselves and they haven't led their family. I believe it all goes together. I believe most of the time, nine out of ten, whatever, Men who feed their own souls, feed the souls of their family, will aspire to do more in the church, whatever that looks like. I think that's why we have a drought of leadership in the church. I'm not mad. I just, what I think. Now listen carefully. <laughs> well, First Timothy 3.1. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. So what man who is aspiring to live for the Lord and to take, take his way to heaven and take his wife, and what man wouldn't aspire to do that in the church? Heads of churches that give the people, the family, the family of God, the meat, spiritual food in due season. Listen to Daniel 12, 3. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. Listen, is that not, what we, is that not who we want to be? People who turn other people to righteousness, who turn other people to Christ, who turn other people to salvation. This is the camp we want to be found in. This morning, we'll look at the faithful and the wise servant. Next week, the wicked servant. The Lord's coming will be a great day for those who are found ready. It's going to be a great day. It is going to be a great... Uh, listen, I can't imagine that wildfire in, in Maui. And nowhere to go. And no, hey, worse than that, nowhere to go for your family. I can't imagine it. That was a terrible day. We can't imagine how terrible it's going to be when the Lord returns for those who aren't ready. Now, I want to quickly kind of sum all this up. A good servant is over a household, over his own soul. 2 Timothy 4, 5 is, For you always be sober-minded, enduring suffering, doing the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, your own soul. Over his household. Genesis 18, 19, For I have chosen him, Abraham, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. 
So we see, first of all, we are to be stewards over our own souls. We are to be stewards over our household that the Lord God has given us, whatever that might look like. And surely the Scripture is speaking of elders and pastors in the church, stewards of God's church. Oh, I want you to circle this Scripture. Hebrews 13, 17. Circle that. Oh, I want, I want to tell you. I don't know. The older I get, the busier I get, the less I can do, whatever the case may be. I, I want to tell you, I need your prayers. Tom needs your prayers. Pablo needs your... Are y'all listening to me? We are begging for your prayers. Bob and Nella need your prayers. Lewis and Laura need your prayers. Russ and, and Jimmy and Paul, whoever else teaches, we need your prayers. Listen to Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Listen to that next part. Listen carefully. Listen. They are keeping watch over your souls. If you know that, if you believe the Scripture, why wouldn't you pray for us? Oh, we need your prayers. We're begging for your prayers. It says there, as those who will give an account. Listen, you're going to give an account for what you did with this. Y'all with me? You're going to be held accountable for what, God, what you did with your wife and your kids and those around you. You're going to be. But leaders in the church are going to be held accountable in a special way. It says, let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So, let me just go a tad deeper. It says that in, uh, in this 45, 46, and 7, this person has a place. He has a place to work, right? On yourself, in your family, in the church, to give meat. Listen, man, you've got to be digging for a nugget to go to find a nugget to go to give anybody. That means you've got to be in the Word. To himself, that he be spiritually nourished. He's got to know that his place in the family is to give instruction to the family. And the elders must know that the family of God is the church where he is servant or steward. And he's to be, he needs to be working in that church. So fathers and ministers are appointed overseers in these households, the home and the church. We, we, we do what we do in the private realm, in the family realm, and in the church realm that we might be qualified to do more. 1 Timothy 3, 4, and 5. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. And after going to two weddings in one day, y'all listen to me. There is not many children being taught to be obedient and submissive. Listen, let me just give you all a piece of advice. When your kids embarrass you in public, it ought to motivate you to do something. And that is discipline and instruction in the Lord. I'll just go ahead and be a little prophetic about this. This peaceful parenting is not going to work out.
We're appointed guides, servants, but we're not lords. Who's lord over this? Who should be lord over this? The Lord. Who should be lord over my family? Yeah. Who's the lord over the church? The Lord Jesus Christ. You know what the rest of us are? We're just servants. So we're not the Lord. I'm not the Lord it over Jeannie. I'm not the Lord it over you. I'm just a fellow servant. And, and this will come out more as we look at the wicked servant. We are appointed as guides. The work of the ministers to ourselves and our families is to give meat, to give the mysteries of the gospel, to give people God's grace. And it's to give and not just take for ourselves. Ezekiel 34, 8 says, As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey, oh my, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there's no shepherd. Oh, listen to me. Every church, this church, every family needs a shepherd. Every family needs a shepherd. Listen carefully. And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds had fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, listen, not only do you need to pray for Tom and Pablo and I and all the teachers in the church, but you need to pray for churches in general that the pastors would be about feeding the sheep rather, rather, Feeding the sheep rather than, than trying to make the sheep happy or, or, or whatever the case might be. Acts twenty thirty five, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus how he himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. So we know his place, we know our place. What would that servant be doing? What would be the right thing for us to be doing? First of all, every servant needs to be faithful. Do you hear me? Faithful to the Lord, to his family, to his church. Listen, you want people to describe you as being that person is faithful. I've, I've had, in the last couple of weeks, I've, I've had opportunities to talk about people who are faithful. Well, let's just talk about Miss Delois. She's not here today. Let's just talk about her. Somebody describe her. She is what? She is faithful. Not, over, not only that, but whatever you ask her to do, guess what she does? She's just doing it. Well, that's faithful. So, what should be the right thing to do? Be faithful. Be wise. Understand your duties. Be wise and understand, young people, 21 years old, got up. No, he went to bed on, on, on Monday night thinking about a presentation he was going to do on Tuesday. He never did that presentation. You young people look at me like, death will never come to you. Listen, I pray that it comes to me before it comes to you. But when it comes to either one of us, we got to be ready. Whether 21 or 14. When he comes, be doing what you were left to do. Whatever the office requires. I'm to take care of this. I'm to take care of my family. As your pastor, I'm to be one that takes care of this. That's what we should be doing. And here's, here's the last one. It's a good one. And be at work when your master comes back. 
Don't be a sluggard. Just be doing the work. And, and I'm not going to give it to you. You've got to be constant, constantly doing your work. You've got to stir yourself up. Come on now. Don't, don't, don't you have to stir yourself up to get in the Word and to pray? Sometimes you've got to stir yourself up. You've got to stir yourself up to gather that, that wife who may be a little reluctant or that teenager that doesn't want to, to sit down for family worship. You've kind of got to stir yourself up to do that. Sometimes you, you may not want to come to church, but you need to come to church, and you come to church constant, diligent. I think about the Shema, when you sit at home, when you walk along the road. Listen, you need to be faithful doing what God has given you to do all the time. Persevering. Revelation 2.25. Only hold fast what you have until I come. Do what? Hold fast. 1 Timothy 4.16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. Listen, Tom and Pablo and I must understand that the devil is lurking around and just when we're not persevering, just when we're not watching, he'll sneak in. He'll sneak into your life. He'll sneak into your family. Persist in this, for by so doing you'll save yourself and your hearers. 1 Timothy 6.14 Keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the last thing, listen, I want you to see this. That servant will be rewarded. Are you with me? Listen to this. He will be called out in front of people. Listen, verse 45, he says... Who then is this faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them food at the proper time? Here he is. Here's the one that was found faithful. He'll be recognized by God. Number two, he will be blessed. Verse 46 says, Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Listen, when the Lord comes back, if you're doing with your own self, and with your family and your church, what God's left you to do, you'll be a blessed person. And number three, you will be rewarded with more authority. I've already talked about it. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. The first thing you're going to do is God's going to have you taking care of His church. Y'all with me? I'm telling you, the church is starving to death for men who will lead. You've got to lead yourself and your family before you can lead the church. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. You remember Joseph? He was sold into Egypt as a what? You remember what it says? <clears throat> so Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all he had. Do what? This kid that was brought, sold, and came to Egypt as a slave? Listen to verse 6. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything. Listen, when you do what God's left you to do, he's going to give you more to do. John 12, 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be. If anyone serves me, listen to this, the Father will honor him. Listen, God's not going to bless, he's not going to, Miss bringing the blessing when he comes for those that he finds ready. Amen. May God bless the preaching of his word.